Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to a special afternoon edition of Breakthrough Walls. Today, I have the unbelievable honor and privilege to have Rose Schindler on the show. Rose is a, I don't know how many survivors are still on planet earth right now, but Rose is one of them of, of the uh, survivor of the Holocaust. And she has an absolutely unbelievable story. She has a book that we're going to talk about called two who survived. It's her and her late husband, Max telling their story. So do me a favor and share this out with everybody that you know, and let's get a lot of people on here to listen to Rose Schindler and her story. We'll see you in just a second. And we are back. Let me bring Rose on. Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very glad I can still do this. I'm very glad. That it's still... not easy, but I'm still. You're 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 an amazing, amazing woman. Um, I'm so grateful to have you here. Thanks. I think. We have an internet internet delay. <laughs> What's that? I am not there. I am here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, Rose, I started this show about no, four. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think we have an internet delay. Um, I started this about four and a half years ago to help people get unstuck in life, to have a breakthrough, if you would. Um, you certainly have um, experienced um, some some serious things in life, and we're going to talk about that. So um, why don't you start with telling everybody that's watching and listening, tell them, you know, where it all started for you, where you were born and raised. I was born in Czechoslovakia. And, and, yeah. night, and we had a great life with the Czech government. And, we, and I lived, we lived in a village. We didn't have more than maybe 500 Jews in the village. And my father was a tailor. He had a shop in the middle of town. He was such a good tailor. Whoever had a suit made or a coat made from him, they said it looked like it was poured on you. That's how well... So that was his reputation. Wow. Anyway, so I come from eight children, six girls and two boys. We lived in three rooms. I'm talking about the war before 1940. Yeah. We lived in three rooms. We were eight children. And we had no electricity. We had no water in the house. We lived 
like we lived, but we didn't have anything better, so we didn't miss it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you don't have something, and then you have it, then it's quite a difference. Really. But uh, we had a wonderful life before the Second World War. That's all I have to say. Yeah. The Jewish people were very uh, good people, or business, mostly all business people. The non-Jewish people were mostly farmers, okay? But yeah. uh, the Jewish people were mostly all in business, running the towns. And we had a great life, let's put it that way, before the Second World War. But when the war started, everything went to hell. So you, uh, in in your book, and I do want to talk about your book, Two Who Survived, um, Keeping Hope Alive While Surviving the Holocaust. Um, you talk about in the very beginning, you talk about, um, and I have not, I just got back in town. I got here and, and your son, Ben had sent me a book. Plus I bought one that you signed for me. So thank you for that. Um, but I, I, I started reading it and I'm, I'm about a third of the way through. You talk about when you were growing up, you, you know, you you went sledding and in the summers you were you know swimming in the creek and and right. we and, had no swimming pools let's put it that way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. so okay. I, I mean it just sounded like it like you know you lived in a three-room house but you didn't know any better you didn't know that there was more even available right there wasn't <laughs> all the homes were very small okay and most Jewish people had a lot of children, okay? Yeah. So, uh, but we didn't know any difference. So when you don't have something, you don't miss it. Right. You, know, you get it, and then you take, people take it away. That's when you start. Yeah. yeah. We had a wonderful life with the Czech government. The Jewish yeah. people had the same rights like everybody else. And mostly all the Jewish people in the villages and Czech and towns and were business people. Yeah. Okay. It, did you know you said that when the second world war started you said that things started to go to hell um it, it wasn't a i i don't because i don't know enough about it personally but so it wasn't like a sudden like takeover of your village it was it was from the way you describe it in the book and i've heard you talk about it was slow very slow right. process right. well it's it all started after 1938 okay 1938 little by little things were changing we were not i had three three years of education you know, okay okay all the, after a while all the jewish kids were not allowed to go to school anymore and all the little by little, all the Jewish businesses were taken away. We were treated like animals. We had no rights for anything. Before we were the, lead, the leaders in the villages and in the towns, because that's how we are. Okay? But yeah. now everything went to hell. And it, so it started in 1938, but, but we were hoping that nothing else would happen. But we had no, no information what was going on in the world, by the way. Nobody had radios, or I don't even know if we had any newspapers, maybe once a week. Uh, but we lived in a village called Serenia. And if you needed to go from one big city to another city, that was the only road. That uh, From Munkach to Ungvar, you had to go through Serenia. There was no other road. 
Today, I'm sure it's much different. Yeah. So, uh, but little by little, things were going to hell. So all the Jewish businesses were taken away. So uh, how, how did they take them? I, they just like sh showed up and shut them down? What, how did they take them? They didn't know what to do. They were far, Most of the non-Jewish people were farmers ah. in our village. Okay. Wow. So they, they just took it away. And, and of course, all the men in our town over 15 years old were taken to factories to work. Wow. Pick them up Sunday morning and bring them back Friday night. We, I had, we were eight children, we had 10 people living in three rooms. But wow. that's how everybody lived, we, you know, in those days. I don't know if it was much better in the United States in, in the 30s and the 40s. Yeah, right. <laughs> it probably <laughs> so, was. Uh, but we had no problem living the way we were, okay? Yeah. Uh, we lived on a farm, cows, chickens, geese, ducks. Whatever we raised, we ate it. If we didn't raise it, we didn't eat it because we didn't have it. Wow! I, in your book, in your book, you talk about how um, your mother um, shoved corn down the the geese the geese's throat. Right, <laughs> to right. Them up. right, especially before Passover, yeah. because we want to have fat geese. Yeah, we have a lot of fat and yeah, I don't wow. know. Like it was today, yeah. feeding the geese with the corn. <laughs> Those geese can be really mean sometimes too. They yeah, bite. Yeah, but then you know after they they got good and fat, they used the they used the geese. It was very good meat. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you ever had meat from a goose. <laughs> I've not. I've not had goose meat. <laughs> I've never had it. We had quite a lot of geese in our. We lived on a farm, okay? Chickens and geese and cows and... Yeah. Wow. Never went shopping for food. Everything we made, we raised, that's what we ate. So you didn't have a local supermarket? No. The supermarket? <laughs> did you have supermarkets in the 30s? Oh, maybe you did. Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't there. No, we may have had one store that was selling stuff that we couldn't make or that they couldn't grow or that they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like metal stuff and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the food that we needed was raised in our village. And everybody had a good sized plot and everybody was raising a lot of chickens, geese, ducks, yeah. cows. Okay. Yeah. All that stuff. So, so you, you were about the age of 14. Um, you were taken away. When you were taken yeah. away. How did that, I mean, how, were you just at home one day and they, they, the, the yeah. Germans show, I mean, how, how did that happen? They took us to the, we lived in a village. I'm not sure how many, I don't know if we had. 1,500 or 2,000 people in our whole village, okay? Because a lot of the people lived in the mountains and stuff like that. But uh, we were taken away. Uh, they, they gave us, we had Passover 1944, one day after Passover, or Easter, okay? Yeah. And they let us have our holiday, and then they told us we're all going to be shipped away. Everybody's entitled to bring a bag. 
or a suitcase. Or, we had no suitcases in those days either. Okay, so uh, we had to buy some burlap and make some bags. We had eight, eight children, six girls and two boys. And so they gave us a day and a half or so to get to the center of town because we're going to be sent away. If we don't come, they're going to come roughly and take us. So uh, we had about five or six hundred Jews in my village, but I'm not really sure. Okay. So and they took us to the next city, which was 20 kilometers to go to Ungvar, Ushorod, in Czech. And uh, they had a big, a big train station, but we didn't. We may have had a small train station, but during the war it was closed altogether. Okay. Nobody had cars, nobody had this and that. I mean, you can't even explain how we live, considering how people how we live today. Okay. Yeah. So we were in this next city where they may have had 50,000 people. But in my village, I don't know if they had 15,000. I don't really know. No thousands of people, just hundreds of people. Wow. I'm not sure about it. And, uh, because we knew everybody in town, right? Right, right. We knew everybody in town. And so we went to the next, they put us in oxen-driven wagons and took us to the next town because we were all entitled to take a bag with us, okay? So we had no luggage either, so we had to buy some burlap and make some bags. Wow. Everything was so ridiculous. I mean, the whole world was quiet while this was going. Nobody tried to help us. No, did 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 you, did anybody, I know you were young and you, you know, you explain it, um, I've heard you talk about it on video and um, I listened to the entire three hour podcast you did with Jocko, mm -hmm. um, which was just amazing. Um, nobody, nobody knew where you were going. Like they did no, no suspicions. We had no, we had no radios. We had no nothing. Oh my goodness. We had no radios. Wow. I mean, we had no newspapers. We had nothing. We lived. Wow. You can't even explain how we lived, but we didn't know anything else. We don't, okay? Of wow. course, next, next, we had two big cities on either side of our village. There was one road that would take us either way. Well, they had maybe 50,000 or 20, I don't know how many people they had there. And they had a lot more than what we did, but we were happy the way we were. And the Czech government was very good to the Jewish people. Wow. There were no restrictions at all. And uh, life was good under the Czech government, but then it all went to hell. This all, I mean, I, I sit and I think, you know, as I read your book, as I've listened to interviews, I watched your, um, your, your movie, 33 minute movie on your YouTube channel and um, where you were sitting and talking to the audience. Um, I think, what, why? Why in the world? Why? What in the world drives something like that? That, that I just, it doesn't make sense to me I, I, in any way. I, I mean, you can't make sense out of it, I don't think. It was absolutely outrageous what they did to us. And it's, we were running the towns. You know that? Because every all the Jewish people were in business. Without us, they couldn't even exist. Right. Because they had jobs. 
But um, what Hitler did was unbelievable, impossible. And uh, the, the people in each village and towns, they just went along. They didn't fight. And I don't know why we Jews didn't fight back. Right. Okay? Yeah. They said, hey, we're not going. You want to do something else? Do it. But we don't want to go. But nobody objected because we were so religious. We belonged to Jewish and we believed in God that nothing bad could happen to us. Unfortunately, right. God must have taken a vacation while this is going on. So you you said you were you were loaded into these train cars and you I've heard you talk about that, that there was no room to even hardly nobody could sit down really. It was everybody oh, was you packed. couldn't even move around. Oh. They must have put maybe I don't know how many I really don't know. I can't even say how much. Maybe two hundred people or a hundred people. I really don't know. But yeah. the, how big the train cabin was, they filled in as much as you couldn't move around. You set you had a place and that's it. Wow. And, and you were in that car for how long? I think about two and a half days. My goodness. Yes. And we had and the only food we had was what we took with us. Wow. That's it. They didn't even stop for us to go to the bathroom. Would you believe that? Oh my God! Can you imagine the situation we were in. Yeah, that uh, I can't. I can't imagine. Cannot the imagine. The whole world was silent while this was going on. Nobody tried to help us. Did they know? I'm sure they knew. We had the German soldiers there, and uh, I'm sure they knew. Wow. We lived in a village where we never had any, no radios, no newspapers, no, you yeah. know, it's so different. I can't even explain it. Yeah. So the train ended up taking you to where? Where did you end up? Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Poland. Auschwitz, Poland. Wow. Auschwitz, Poland, they had a concentration camp. So many people in the camps. You cannot imagine. Okay. I I I, I can't. They, I can't. Thirty thousand. They had thirty barracks. The, the barracks that they put us in. Okay. We had ten foot electric, ten or twelve foot electric fences. If you touch the electric fence, you would die within twenty seconds. And some people didn't know it was electric. We were in a camp, uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau, uh, Camp C. Because maybe somebody still alive that was in Camp C, you know, in Auschwitz. Uh, 30 barracks. Each barrack had a thousand women. One barrack was a kitchen, one barrack was a bathroom. Okay. Uh, three wow. rows of bunks. And uh, it was impossible. And they were bringing people in all the time. And of course, and then they're taking all the people to factories to work. The ones, they only saved the people that could go to factories to work. I, you know, I came from a family of eight children. Uh, my mother and four sisters and brothers, when they got there, they went straight in a different line. Never saw them again. They went straight into the gas chambers. Again. Oh, my God. All the sisters and a brother with me. Uh, when, the when the train arrived, the gate opened, and, you know, all the work was done by our own people. We had no choice. Everything was done. They could, they could uh, 
kill their own families and they had no choice. That was their work. If they wouldn't do it, they would shoot them on the spot. So the train stops and there, I don't know how many people were in the train. Anyway, so uh, they, they asked everybody their age. So the, our own people, they came to help us with our luggage because we all came with a lot of luggage. Yeah. We didn't have much luggage, but whatever, bags and whatever. And the man that came on the train to help us, he said to me, how old are you? I said, I'm 14 and a half. He says, tell him you're 18. If, I, if he wouldn't have said that to me, I would have gone with my mother and four sisters and brothers straight into the gas chamber. Wow. So when we came in front, in, when we were in front of SS, three SS separating the people, the men in one line, women with children in another line, and the women to go to factories to work in another line. And he says to me, how old are you? I said, I am 18. The SS asked me, I'm 18. And my sister didn't know that I was told to lie about my age. And I didn't tell him. I didn't think it was important to tell him. Right. She says, oh, no, she's only 14. I said, no, I'm 18. He let me go with my two older sisters. Otherwise, I would have gone into the gas chamber that day with my mother. and <laughs> So we separated the men. You know, we were all working in factories, okay? Separated the men, my father and my brother, to one line. My brother was 16 years old or 17, and my two sisters and me. So there were three different groups, mothers with children and old people, men with who are going to factories to work, and women who go to factories to work. So, um, so they marched us into a building, big building, and the first thing they did was shaved all our hair, not only the head, everywhere. Wow. Then they took all our clothes. You know, when you travel, you always travel in good clothes, right? Yeah, yeah. We kept all our clothes, Germany. We had to put all the clothes in one line. And then they told us to pick up another address or whatever. A rag was not even a dress. No underwear, no shoes, clogs, and a, a lousy dress. Wow. That's what we had a choice to pick up. You talk about in the book, and and I've heard you on video talk about um, before you left your village, <clears throat> you had some. You had a thought to hide some things. It was my father's idea. Oh, it was your father's idea? Right. Before we left the house, my father. We didn't have much jewelry in those days. I right. didn't have anything. Not even. But my mother had earrings. She had a wedding band. She did not have a watch. And my father had a watch and a ear and a, a, a wedding band. And my I had two older sisters. My older sister, older sister was 20, and she had a couple of pieces of jewelry. And so did my younger, older next sister also. Mm -hmm. So my father said to us girls, I didn't have anything, but my two older sisters did. Give me all your jewelry, and you're going to hide it. And when you come back, you'll know where it is. So come with me. So my sister said they have no interest of anything, but they gave the jewelry to my father. And you know where we, we put the jewelry? In a shoe, shoe polish box. There's very little jewelry. Yeah. My mother had a necklace, and she had a, a couple of rings, okay? And that's about not very much, okay? My father had a watch and a and a wedding band, and that's it. 
So my so my sister said they had no interest of going to my father. They're gonna he wants to hide it. So he wants all three of us to know where it is. So my sister said they don't want they are not interested. Dad, I'm gonna go with you. That's how I survived by always wanting to do things and doing things. So yeah. I went with my father to a corner of a, the, the living room and he opened up a little bit between the ceiling and the wall and he hid the little shoe polish box right in there. So he says to me, when you come back from the war, you'll know where it is. So my father knew what was going on. I didn't. I was 14 and a half. So oh, so that's what that's so when we came when we first came back from the war, and we came back only once anyway. Uh, I told my sisters, let's go get the jewelry. So uh, so we divided between us the jewelry between the three of us. And and there's something special that you wear every day of your life. This chain. Yeah. Let me give you full screen so people can see that. See this. This yep. is my father's pocket watch chain. Wow. Okay. And I also have, we also, uh, after the liberation, we also got the jewelry from my husband's family too, the same way. My husband, uh, he used to hide the jewelry in his hand like this mm. for three years. Two wow. Years. That's what, but anyway, so. Uh, wow. So that was a necklace from my father's pocket watch. And I, I never take it off. Very rarely do I take it off. So, so, so you, you were in Auschwitz, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, Auschwitz? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, that you get off the train and um, they divide, you said they divided you into two the different men, The women, the children with the women, parents with children, the three, three or four different lines okay and uh, my mother with the four sisters and brothers went one line and also i had an aunt and she went with them too my father and my brother went to another line so there were three lines okay wow and you people that could go to work that's right and you but you you had younger siblings as well four younger sisters and brothers one brother and three girls they were <sighs> under 12 years old oh my god yes never they left never saw them again they went straight into the gas chamber as david came in oh my god i didn't realize how this happened and nobody bothered to help us the whole wow. world was silent while this was going on. Wow. America um, could have done more for us, but they didn't try. Had I been around, I would have I would have tried to help you, I promise. Oh, I'm sure. sure. I, I, I I don't I can't I cannot make sense of it in my brain. Like my I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, there's got, I mean, obviously you don't either, and nobody can wrap their brain around that. That's insanity. Do you, do you know something? Do you know that Roosevelt cut the quotas to go to America, to Europe during the war? He did what? Cut the quotas. 
to a quarter of what they did before. Wow. He was not a very helpful person. Wow. His wife was a lot better. Yeah. No, he did not. And wow. So many people, you know, people were going to America quite a lot. Okay, if they had relatives, they were going. And, and people tried to go to America, but they couldn't get any help. So with, so you, but did you know at the time, I mean, when they separated, did you know that they were going to the gas chambers? Well, how could we know that? Right. How right. would any normal person know that? Yeah, right. No, no. We, didn't, we had no idea what was going on. I don't know if my father knew anything or my mother, but us kids, no. No. Because we never had any radios in the town, in the village. We had no newspapers. We had no information what was going on in the world. Wow. And I think the world knew what was going on. The gas chambers were burning 24 hours a day. Oh, my God. Can't imagine how many people were killed by the world. From, so our you... village, from our village, I don't think 50 people survived totally. Because some came back and some never went back to our village. Okay, wow. and we were 600 and more people. Wow. Yeah. Um, so where, when you were separated and put, and you, you lied and said you were 18. Um, so, so glad you did that, <laughs> by the way. I said, oh no, I'm 18. Yeah. What yeah. made me do that? Uh, you know, I guess maybe the gentleman who came on the train to help us arrangish told me, but yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. And to make sure to tell him you're 18. Otherwise, I would have gone with my mother and four other sisters and brothers straight into the gas chamber. Wow. Never saw them again. So you, you, um, you, where did you go then? You were in another line. Where did you another end up? Line with all women, all women, all, all women. men separate, all women and all mothers and children, all three different lines. Okay. So they put us in, they sent, took us into a building and took our clothes off. And then they gave us a, shaved all our hair everywhere, not only the head. Yeah. <laughs> and gave us one dress, a lousy piece of rag and uh, no shoes, just clogs. Wow. <coughs> That's what our, that was our clothes. And then after a while, they uh, sent us to Auschwitz. I mean, they sent us to the Camp C. Okay. Wow. And, and every other day or so, they maybe every two, three days, they would come to different uh, different uh, uh, trying to think of the word the barracks the barracks every barrack held thousands of people okay wow three rows of bunks no blankets no nothing just wood wow and when we got in there we got into barrack twenty six that's when they told us to go and we went that was at night we went into bed got up in the morning. And they were giving us coffee for breakfast, a pot of coffee for 10, 15 people. No cups, no nothing, always from a pot. Even dinner time, we would get some food in a pot, 
some stew or whatever it was, uh, a pot for 15 people. Wow. We had no cutlery, we had nothing. Just a sip. Wow. It's amazing how we survived. Okay. I, 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 I can't believe that you did, quite honestly. I, I, hearing the stories, you said you said that um, that people would 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 walk outside of the barracks and intentionally grab the electric fence yeah, because they couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, actually, a lot of people didn't know it was electric. Okay, so um, but of course I, mean, I didn't know in the beginning either. But then I was told you touch the electric fence. 20 seconds later, you're dead. You see blood coming out of the nose. And so many people right, did that because they couldn't handle it anymore. And you it, saw... You some saw, people didn't know it was electric and they touched it. Yeah. You saw... But you saw people that... I, I would imagine you did. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, like, did, were there people that, that fought back? There was no one to fight back. We had nothing to fight back with. And, but nobody tried. Nobody did it. I was a young kid, four and a half. I mean, I was uh, 14 and a half. Yeah. Nobody tried to do it. We believed in God so much, you know. We never could, believe, never could imagine why God allowed this to happen to us. You said that they would shoot people on the spot for not listening or not. If no. they would not listen right, they would. They would. Wow. That's just un unreal. They would come. The SS would come and select people to go to factories to work every day, every other day. The only reason they saved us because they needed our slave labor. Okay. And... Uh, so uh, when we got there to Auschwitz in 44, it was, must have been May or June, okay? Probably June because we were being held in, in Czechoslovakia in one of the concentration camps for a few, few maybe a week or two. Because they brought from all the villages, they brought it to the big city where they had the transportation. The villages had no transportation. So um, wow. anyway... Um, Unbelievable what thing, how things happened, and the whole world was silent. Nobody tried to help us. So you, but you, you, you talk about in the book. You talk about um, there was a a point where you heard that some cousins were running another barrack or something. Right, we were in Auschwitz for about maybe a couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. The first week we did not go to get because they are in. Every barrack had a thousand women. So when they come, they need 300 people. You're not forced to go. You go and get selected to go to factories. But after a couple of times where they put me out of the line, they wouldn't take me to any factories to work. We decided we we're going to hope that the war would end. Because if you didn't have hope, you didn't have anything. Right. But you always need hope. So, uh, so we went for three selections the first week. And each time they put me in a guest chamber, but they took my two sisters. So we decided we're not going. We're waiting for the war to end. So after a while, we decided that's it. We're just going to wait for the war to end. Because there's 1,000 women in every barrack. Wow. So, uh, so after being in, the, in Auschwitz-Birkenau for about two months already, okay? Uh, you know, if we didn't have hope, we would have just... Yeah. We would have been, yeah. 
after a couple of months, we found out we had cousins in barrack number two who were in charge of giving out the food. You know what that happens, you're always going to get an extra piece of bread. Yeah. So we went to barrack number, first we were in barrack 26. So we went to barrack number two, and the cousins were so happy to see us. And they told us, come over here, stay with us, and uh, hopefully the war will end and we'll all be fine. Okay. So uh, after being there two, three weeks, we came, they would come to the barracks. You never know when they come. But uh, while we were there, maybe a week or 10 days, or maybe two weeks, I'm not exactly sure of time, but they came to the barrack. And while my cousins were in charge of giving out the food, we would get extra food. I must have put, up, put on five pounds in two weeks. Wow. Because I would get an extra slice, an extra this, an extra that. So finally, uh, they came to a barrack and they said they need, uh, I don't know, 200, 300, whatever. And my cousin said, well, we are ready. We have to leave now. We can't stay here anymore. We, we were hoping it would end, but it was not ending. So right. they left. And of course, us, my two sisters and I stayed in the barrack. So of course, we didn't get the extra food anymore. So, uh, or anything else anymore, like we did when our cousins were in charge of uh, the barrack and the food. So uh, I said, and I must, I must have put on five pounds in the, in the past three yeah. weeks because I had extra food. Yeah. So I said, let's get out of here, okay? I was the youngest. I had two older sisters. Yeah. They did not have the brains like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't think the way I was thinking, okay? Or so, they maybe they just didn't have the, the guts that you had. <laughs> no, I was always a troublemaker at home, by the way. Okay, I don't do things I wasn't supposed to do, and that's how I survived. Yeah. So anyway, so I said, let's go and line up, and if uh, and, and I'm not gonna go and I'm not gonna get selected. You go get selected and keep a place in five and people five in a row. Okay. I said, leave uh, line behind you. Tell them only four people because that I, I'm coming from someplace to, to be in that line. And the people in the next line decided, fine, we'll, we have four people here. So, and then as soon as they were all selected, I, I to go, to run into, to go into, uh, to the bathrooms or whatever, to, or wherever they take us, because remember, we were full of lice and we had yeah. no idea. We didn't clean. We couldn't sleep at night, the lice were biting us so much. So I said, so, uh, so we lined up, and the next line they left one line for me, and I and I made sure nobody sees me do that, and I ran into the line, okay? Yeah. And it worked. Wow. They, they did not select anymore. They sent three hundred women to Freudenthal in Germany. So, so let let me back up real. So you you're talking about they would come in all the time and and take a group of women for selection right. that that means they put you in a line and and they say you you go to the factory no they no they didn't put me they didn't put us in line because there were a thousand women in every barrack oh so people went into the line to get out of auschwitz this horrible place yeah okay. right so you had a choice to go or not to go okay so that's how, how how it was. So uh, and and you said that if they didn't select you, they put you in another line. For and the I would run out. Make sure nobody sees me. I would run out. Remember, there's thousands of women there. Wow. Okay. So, but 
at, at some point, because when you first got off the train, you said you had no idea that the, where that other line was going, right? So at some I point, you became, you became aware eventually that if you, you learn, were like, you learn a lot when you're in a place like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Good advice with other ladies and whatever. Yes. I can't even imagine some of the the conversations you must have had at night with your sisters and other people about I, I just can't imagine the fear and the disgust and the well they would give us advice. Yeah. This, this camp in in, in Auschwitz, uh, there was thousand. There are 30 barracks, a thousand women in every barrack, and 10 foot electric fences. Okay, so uh, one barrack was a kitchen, one barrack was a bathroom. Wow, so uh, we would always get advice on how to handle this a little bit. Wow, or how from Hungary, from Czechoslovakia, and even from Poland, people that were there. So, so barrack had a thousand women. Wow, so you ended up. Sneaking into the line yeah, to get out, <laughs> and with you and your two sisters, right? And and where did you go from there? You were put on another train. We were in, in Auschwitz Birkenau for four months. Can you believe that? Wow, must be about four months because we we had no we had no idea what dates and anything. Okay. Yeah, sure. So uh, we were full of lice. We couldn't uh, sleep at night. <laughs> we were so oh full of lies. There was a one, one, one barrack was a the bathroom. But there was no soap or anything, just cold water. Wow. Okay. So actually, in the summer, we were there in the summer. I took my dress off and I washed it just in water, and I hung it, hung it up or whatever I did, and I put it on. But very few people did that. So. Wow. Uh, anyway, finally. Uh, we were taken away. So, where now? Where did you? They put you on another train. So they came to our barrack and they needed two hundred or three hundred women to go to Freudenthal in Germany. Okay, so I said to my sisters, "Let's go." We've been there already four months in this barrack. It's time to do it. It must have been probably July or August of nineteen forty-four. Okay, wow. I'm not sure. Because we had no way to know what dates are or anything. Right, right. So, uh, so we were taken to Freudenthal, and uh, of course they shaved all our hair again, all over the body, not only the head. We were full of lice. For four months, we did not get a, a shower, a cleaning. Wow. I did go to the bathroom and, and took my my dress off and washed it, but there was sink, water in the sink, not showers. Somehow we tried a little bit. Wow. So uh, they, so when when they took they just picked us to go to the factory, they shaved our hair again, and and they sprayed us with certain medicals, certain things to kill the lice because we were full of lice. We couldn't sleep at night. The bodies were eating. Wow. Eating our bodies. So they shaved our hair again and sprayed us and gave us underwear. And shoes and socks, amazing. Like, wow. You you must have felt like you were in heaven all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> we had 200 women. And they wow. sent us to Freudenthal, not in Germany. And uh, 
And I must have been the youngest in that place. There's not too many people lied about their age. One time you had to do that. What did you... Um, so what was your job at this factory that you went to? Gas masks. Would you believe that? What? I had to tie on the gas mask for 10, 12 hours every day. What, what were the gas masks for? Well, maybe there were some some people that had gas. They sent the gas to the to the to the uh, camps to kill the people. Okay. Wow. So, uh, this was a gas mask. Wow. Actually, there there was no killing, so I really don't know why they. But I had to. Oh, but they were sending that the gas mask to, to all those places. Okay. So that was my job, 10, 12 hours every day. Oh put my it on and pick it up, put it on, and test it to see that if it's okay. And, and you were still, you were 14 years old still? Probably 15 because we were taken to uh, Germany the end of 1944. Okay. Okay. Wow. So uh, I was wow. almost, almost 15, yes. So, uh, and we worked so, like that. 10, 12 hours a day over there, and they fed us breakfast and lunch and dinner like heaven compared to Auschwitz, okay? Wow. So um, sounds like Ben's getting a bunch of text messages on his computer <laughs> right now. Keeps oh, they can they can it's all right. Yeah. So, so, so we with liberated, okay, in May of 1970s or 8th. Say that again. I'm sorry. Liberated in next the next year in May. Wow. And you know, every morning they would take us to the factory to work. And this was May 7th, and we we're waiting to be taken to the factory, but nobody came to pick us up. Wow. So we said, What's going on? So I said to my sister, I'm going out, I want to see what's going on. She says, You're not supposed to go out. I said, I'm not supposed to do a lot of things, but I do it anyway. <laughs> That's how we survive. And I opened the gate, the door to the big building that we lived in and it was unlocked usually they would always lock it and i and i open the door and i go to the yard we had a little yard and i see the the, the electric fences were opened up we had electric we had fences but they were electric yeah the, the gate was open and all the germans ran away that was on may 7th 1948. wow okay was it 48 whatever the right time, okay. So, and, and I'm screaming to everybody. The gate is open, and I can hear the planes are coming over us, and I can hear the Russian language. We had behind the building where we were living. They had a lot of uh, cornfields, throwing yeah. corn. Yeah. And the Russian soldiers were coming through the cornfields. So I said, I'm going to go into the cornfields to meet the Russians because I couldn't understand some of the language. So wow. then they hugged me and kissed me, and they said, the, world, the war ended, you're free, you can do what you want, and we are here to help you out. Oh, my God. Yes. In that moment, because you talked about, in your book, you talked about how you tied a white, you ripped part of your your dress and tied it onto a stick. From my, from my bottom of my dress, because I had to go like this in front of the Russians. Because you were afraid they might think you were German. <laughs> right, 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 yes. Right. 
be a terrible way for the, for it all to end. Like, hey, I made it this far. Yeah, no, so, show them who we are. Okay. So the Russian soldiers yeah. liberated you. Yeah. Wow. And and talk about the next. I don't know. Two days. Like, did you get? Oh, to we had a ball. <laughs> did you? the Russians were taking us to town? Oh. Because we because before we they used to feed us. Yeah. Now we have no food, so we have to take care of ourselves. So the Russians told us, "Who wants to go to town to pick up some food?" It was wow. always the first one to. <laughs> You're like me. And that's how I survived the war. Okay. Yeah. You have to, you should never give up. Remember, you should never give up hope. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. Okay. What do you think, Rose? What do you think that is? I, 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 you know, I've, I've read part of your book. I've listened to your whole story. I've, I've read, I'm going to finish your book. I also bought the audio version of your book. I'm obsessed with you and your story, just so you know. Um, but I, I, cause I, I've, I've read Victor Frankl's book multiple times. I've recommended it to a lot. And you know, the stories he tells about Auschwitz and, and the, the it is it, unbelievable. What was it inside of you, do you think, that was different from people who gave up? Because there were people who gave up and grabbed the electric fence or... Couldn't handle it. So many people couldn't handle it. They just committed suicide. You know, you have to have a lot of guts when you're in a condition, a situation like that. Yeah. You have to make sure, you know, tomorrow is going to be better. Because if you don't have that, I think I must have saved some people because I kept telling them, don't give up hope. We're going to get liberated someday. But while we were in Auschwitz, I used to tell some of the people over there. There wow. thousands of people in the, in the, bed, in the camp of the Ivers, okay? And we would socialize. We would go to the bathroom. That's where we would socialize in the bathroom. Would you believe it? <laughs> One of the barracks is a bathroom. Wow. Said, Never give up hope because if you give up, because some people didn't believe a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, so you, um, you ended up and you tell the story again. You tell the story in your book. And everybody watching, by the way, go right now. I'm going to pop this. This um, Rose has a website. Rose has Rose has a YouTube channel. Rose has Facebook. She's everywhere, and and so there's her website, twowhosurvive.com. I strongly recommend that you get this book. And and Rose, you can actually order a signed copy from Rose directly from the website. I will cherish this for the rest of my life, Rose. It has your your handwriting, your signature, and I'm so, I feel so blessed and honored to know you. So, if you come to San Diego, remember to come. I will definitely come and see you in San Diego. Um, so so you get liberated, and and you go to town. You get food. I'm sure you got some clothes. You got, um. You know, and they, then, and the, whole uh, road, 
The whole world was very kind to us. They would give us stuff because we had no money. And when we came to my home, to my village, it took us about two, three weeks to get home. We had to change trains all the time. Uh, some, uh, some of the uh, neighbors kept our houses in good condition, which was nice. My house was gone, but one other, one other family got uh, their house back and they asked us if they could stay with us. So we stayed there a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, and then we left for Czechoslovakia. We went to Prague, to the capital, because there was nothing there for us to stay. We didn't have our own homes. We didn't have this. We had nothing. So uh, we decided... All the people that came back, there may be 25 total after the war. We had over, we had, I don't know, four or five, six. I'm not really sure how many people we had, but we had a few hundred people in my village. Okay. And, and, and you, you, you talk about in the, in the book, and I heard Jocko ask you when you were on his podcast, um, he asked you, you know, they shaved your head they shaved all of the hair off of your entire body. Right. They, 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 tr they literally were removing any identity that you thought you had. <clears throat> they were trying to remove that. And they literally gave you a number. They gave you, you weren't a name, you were a number. See you this? still have that. Let me put this full screen so people can oh, see. Okay. Wow. Okay, it's A2589. And you could never forget that. How can you, whether I have it or not, you cannot forget anything like that. But you know, a lot of survivors never wanted to talk about this anymore. Well, you said, I heard, I heard you say in, in one of your interviews that a lot of survivors that had that tattooed on their arm. Removed. Removed. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you have it removed? I don't know. I don't know. I never thought of removing it. My two sisters and I had these numbers, and but the thing is, in those days, if, you, if they did remove it, there was always a big line. You can see it all. Today, probably it would, it wouldn't would happen, but yeah. we did not. Some people had it removed. Some most people didn't. So. Wow. So so you ended up back in in your village. You yeah. you found the box. Right. Shoe polish box. Shoe, Shoe polish box. With the jewelry. And wow. Show the chain again. Pocket watch chain. And 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 that I I heard you say that that's the very first thing you put on your body when you get out of bed. Right. Yes, we did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Twenty-four hours a day. So you you ended up back in your village. You um, did you stay there long? No. Uh, while we were, uh, you know, trying to come home, we had to change a lot of different trains. Yeah. Direct trains. So sometimes we had to stay two or three days at the train station to get another train. Wow. And my sister, one of my sisters, there were three of us, uh, met a Jewish. Uh, a Jewish soldier on the train station and they fell in love. 
Czech Jewish soldier. Wow. Okay. And we fell in love. And sometimes we had to stay in the train station three days to get a train. So, uh, so before he was taken away, because his train came, he gave my sister the key to his house in Prague. He says, go home, see who survived the war, and then you come to Prague, and you're going to live with me. Beautiful Czech Jewish soldier. Okay? Yeah. Tibor, his name was Tibor. I don't think he's alive. I'm sure he's not alive anymore. So actually, by the way, I, left, I lost my sister five years ago. Wow. She was 94. Wow. So, uh, anyway, so uh, so what so was I talking about? You, 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 I asked you how long you stayed in the village. You said not very long. Where did you go from there? My sister was the first one to leave because she already had the key to the house in front. She, and somebody came back from the war. We were waiting to see if my father and my brother survived the war. Uh, so little by little, somebody came back and they were together with my brother in a camp and they told us what happened to my brother. He was working in a factory there and he was doing very well working on SS uniforms. My father was a tailor, even though he never wanted to be a tailor, my brother, but he somehow had the knowledge about it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so he, did that, okay, in Germany for the SS soldiers. And, uh, and he had it very good and he was in a good factory. And then of course, 10 days before the war ended, they took 300 men who lived in that area, in that uh, concentration camp. They, they took him to the forest, made him dig a big hole and killed everybody. So one guy that came back from the war, so I said, how did you survive? He says, I was too sick to leave the bunk bed. So they left him in the bunk bed. He wow. survived and he came home. My sister, my brother was killed. So we knew what happened to my brother. And then uh, we also, somebody came back that was with my father in a camp in Poland. And he told me that uh, my father got sick and then they took him away and that was the end. They never tried to help anybody. They just wow. killed him after they got sick. So we knew my father is gone and my brother is gone. So Helen, my sister, she said, this is a time for me to leave. I'm not staying here another year. Because she had the key to the house in Prague. So she left and then uh, two weeks later or so, I said, well, it's time to leave. Because we were hoping some friends would come home. See what we can do. So some of the friends got their houses back. My house was ruined completely. Okay, when we came back there, they had horses in my house. But the other people got their houses back, so we had no problem finding a place to live. So anyway, so finally we decided we're going to leave, go to Prague. So my sister Judy and I go to Prague, but we had the train station for three days waiting to get on a train. In those days, trains didn't run. So Judy says, I'm going back to my hometown. There's a young man who got his house back, and he wants me to come marry me. A young man, they went to see you from home, okay? Yeah, yeah. And so, she, so and, and I stayed another day at the train station, and I, I said, well, you can go home. I'm not going home. I'm going to Prague. Okay? So you went to Prague. Yeah, I, went, I, wait, I waited another day. Judy left. Never saw my sister Judy again. She oh. went back to my hometown. Wow. And, uh, and then I got that on the train, and I came to Prague. 
And after being in Prague for a week, my sister Helen says, they are looking for a thousand Holocaust survivor children under age 16 to take to Scotland into a hostel in Scotland. Wow. They want to save the kids. So my yeah. sister said it would be a good idea for you to go. Because Helen was 21 years old now, and I was 16 or whatever. So I was taken to Scotland. We had uh, 35 kids over there, boys and girls. Okay? Yeah. All survivors. Okay? So we had a good time in the hostels in Scotland. And then the hostel was closing down because people were finding relatives all over the world. Okay? That's what saved a lot of our lives, relatives. Yeah. So, uh, finally, I had, I had an uncle in Keysport. Pennsylvania, my mother's brother. In McKeesport? Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. That's you just outside that? of Pittsburgh. Yes, right. I used to live in Pittsburgh. No kidding, yeah. 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 That's the only uncle we had, but my husband had relatives also in New York. Okay. So anyway, so. Uh, what but you, I where did you meet your husband? In Max? the hospital. In the hostel. First, we were in the Scotland hostel. And then it was acting out, so they took us to another hostel in Bedford, England. Not okay. far from London. Yeah. Bedford. So we were like 30, no, we were, we were only, most kids found relatives in America, so they left. So we were maybe 10 kids left. So they said you could go to Bedford, which is not far from London. You could go to uh, other cities where they have hostels. So yeah. we decided to go to Bedford, the few of us that were left. And when we came to the hostel, we met some nice or Polish and German Jews, Jewish yeah. kids, okay? Yeah. yeah. So, and they introduced us to the kids over there. They were mostly all boys. And I saw Max. I said, that's a man I want to marry. <laughs> Beautiful man, I said, okay? And of course, you know, the boys in the hostels had girlfriends from town, the non-Jewish oh. girls. They love to come to the hostels to have a good time with the boys. Yeah. Right, so it's okay, that's fine. I can wait till the dance. So of course we lived, so we lived in Bedford for about a year and a half. We began to speak the language because they were teaching us a language and we already were getting jobs. And Max was still having this girlfriend. And then of course the hostel was closing down because people were going all over the world, wherever they have relatives. Yeah. So, uh, so, so they said, where do you want to go? So I said, we'll go to New York. I mean, uh, we'll go to London. Okay, from Bedford, which was just 60 kilometers or 70. Yeah. So Max decided to do the same thing. And they found homes in private families' homes. And the organization would pay so much for each child being in a home. Yeah. So, and he ended up like maybe three, four blocks away from where I was living. And he started dating, and that was it. I knew this, I knew he this. had a he had a girlfriend, I thought. In Bedford. Ah, oh, okay. She was a girlfriend uh, because they like the boys. They know what's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you won. You won. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, we started dating, and that was it. And within a year and a half or so, two years, we got married. First wow. couple got married in London. And then Max's family offered us papers to come to the United States. Wow. So I said, that's where we want to go. 
and uh, my uncle didn't want me. My uncle lived in the Peaceport. He says, I can't help you. Not that I needed help. We're speaking perfect English already. We're working. Maybe I could have helped him. You know what I mean? But wow. I mean, he never wanted to meet us. Can you believe it? And no. I can't believe it. Yeah. So my husband said, and I said to Max, I'm going to go take the train and go to McKeesport. It depends, uh, uh, McKeesport, yes. It's, a bit, it's, a, not, it's not far from Pittsburgh, maybe 20-minute yeah. drive. Yeah. He says, you can't do that. They don't want to meet you. So I said, okay, I'm not going to go. They're going to miss it because I could have maybe helped them. Yeah. We came to England. I mean, and we were there, we were working, and we had we did it pretty well. Next, yeah. next, we were the first couple to get married in the group over in London. Wow. And we had 100 people at our wedding. And all the survivors were invited. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. And then we got papers to go to America. Max's family sent us papers to come to the United States. And we ended up in Brooklyn. Okay. For five years in Brooklyn. And what year did you get to to Brooklyn? 1940, Brooklyn, 51. 51. 51. Wow. We came to Brooklyn, 51. Max's uncle, we lived in, Max had an uncle and he had an apartment house, so we got an apartment. Okay. We, we were speaking perfect English, remember, when we came to England, when yeah. we came to New York. As we learned the language in England, so uh, so we worked, and uh, then after being living five years in New York, Max comes to San Diego because a lot of the boys are in the military. Okay, but Max was not in the military because he had damaged shoulders, so he was not healthy enough to be in the military. But mm -hmm. he said, "I'm going to go visit some of the boys in San Diego." So we're living in New York five years already. And he comes to San Diego, two days later he calls me Rose, and he was working, I, he learned the IBM business. Yeah. He, so he comes to, calls and says, Rose, pack up everything, we're going to San Diego. He came for a three-day weekend to see the friends who are in the military. <laughs> and never, never went back to New York. <laughs> Hold it, did he come back and help you move? No, I took... I was a very capable person of doing a lot of things. We already had a daughter. Wow. My daughter was Sam, okay, in New York. So, so you moved you and your daughter and your household to San Diego? We packed everything up because my, Max's uncle had an apartment house and we got a beautiful apartment. Wow. An apartment which was beautiful and furniture and everything. I took care of everything. Wow. Wow. And I came out three months later, you know, after three months, April of 1950. Oh, my, my head doesn't work very well. It's okay. Right. Anyway, so. We know it was in the early 1950s. How about yeah, that? Early 1950s. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And uh, so. Wow. In New York for five years in Max's uncle's building. And then he comes here, so we moved to San Diego. And we lived in Allied Gardens for six months. Wow. We don't know San Diego, so it wouldn't matter. I don't. I've been there. It's beautiful. I've been to San Diego. It's beautiful. Yeah. So we lived six months in San Diego in an apartment. And then we bought a house. We were building homes. 
all over San Diego, they were building homes. Wow. So the first house we bought was $15,000. Can you believe that? No. It's <laughs> worth $7 million today, probably. No, it's probably a million dollars. Yeah. With a three-bedroom house in Allied Gardens, okay? Wow. And uh, then 10, 10 years later, uh, I had four kids. Three more. I had one daughter in New York and then three in San Diego. We have to have a bigger house. So we moved to Del Cerro. We got a bigger house. Wow. So now I live all alone in my four-bedroom house. <laughs> And, and, you know, um, I've had the honor and privilege of, of talking with Ben, your son, Ben, multiple times. Uh-huh. And um, you, you have raised one incredible, I know he's an, I don't know your other kids, but I know Ben and he's amazing. Yeah. You've, you've yeah done he's one daughter. My daughter is going to be 67 this year. Wow. Wow. Rose, you are. I, I, you know, my wife is a very, very strong woman, Hungarian. Oh, Hungarian. sure. Oh, she yes. Hungarian. Yes, her father. Tell me, I can speak to her in Hungarian. I don't. Well, her father's, her father, his family was fa- from Hungary, okay. so um, she's yeah, she's second generation Amer- in America, I think. So she doesn't. She speaks French. <laughs> she's oh, French. Like, yeah but you know i i always say my wife is the strongest woman in the world but i think i i think you have her beat <laughs> i'm just saying well, it's, you're, it's amazing I, could have survived Auschwitz. nobody can imagine it was worse than hell I, I can I mean, who could, who can imagine? No, uh, you, you, you have to have been there to be able to, to even fathom that. I made yeah. a little, I put a little graphic together. I want to pop up on the screen. I okay. want everybody to buy your book. So let me, and it has a picture of you and your husband, Max. It's from your website. So um, I want everybody to go get a, get a copy of the book mm-hmm. to who survived. And there's a picture of you and, and Max. Right. Um, and I was 18 in this pic- picture on the, on the book. 18. 18, Max and I were both 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was not in London. This was in a city about 60 kilometers from London. I can't remember the name. And uh, some man was on the bridge and he was taking pictures. He took pictures of us. That's how this picture is. <laughs> That's so incredible. So incredible. Yeah. And and so I really want everybody to go get a copy. Go to twowhosurvive.com. Get yeah. a get a copy. You can get a signed copy of this book. Mm-hmm. And I I mean it's right here and I, I can I tell everybody what you wrote in it? Sure, absolutely. I want everybody to And first, you know, one of the first things you see when you open it is a map mm-hmm. and and the map. So I'm looking at this and I'm looking at there's there's Auschwitz. Auschwitz. It's kind of like a V. Auschwitz. Um, and I, I'm looking at this and literally I got emotional when I when I opened this and I saw the very first thing. It says extermination camp. That's what you just, want. 
does it like uh, that just doesn't make sense but but so um in this book i'm trying to find the page that you wrote wrote on here rose there it is can never give up hope that's it that's how i survive i i'm so curious to um Let's see. My my wife said yes, ma'am. I only know swear words in Hungarian. <laughs> she said she knew more when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I I find it so intriguing that you that you had that, that never give up hope mentality when so many other millions didn't. Right. That's true. Yeah. What, what you, have you ever thought, what was it about me that, that gave me that ability? Who remembers that? Let me tell you, if I wouldn't survive, my sisters wouldn't have survived either. They would have given up. Some people just couldn't do anything. They said, you have to do what they have to do. But me, I always used to do things I wasn't supposed to do in the camp, okay? Uh, I, was wow. a, I was a troublemaker, <laughs> youngster. <laughs> uh, are you still? <laughs> when I was a young kid at home, my mother used to spank me a lot because I did things I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> Oh, uh, I just love Listen, one time I left with a friend to next village, from my my village, and we did not get back till about I don't know four in the morning, and my mother was so mad that I wasn't back. But when I came back, I sli I slided in through one of the windows and put my body under one of the beds and fell asleep in there. And I told my mother when I got up that I fell asleep on the floor and I pushed myself under the bed so I shouldn't be in the way for anybody. Oh. I, but that was a big lie because I was in the village, in the other village. <laughs> you didn't get caught? She didn't catch you in your lie? <laughs> she, yeah, she used to put me on her legs and spank me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, anyway. Well, so, you know... If I wasn't the way I was, I would have never survived. Right, right. Neither would have my sisters survived. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm I for one am incredibly grateful that you were were such a rebel. <laughs> I really am. You're you're amazing. It's amazing my, that I'm still here. My wife says on in her comment here. Thank you for sharing your story. It's so important. We must never let anything like this ever happen. Never give up hope. Remember that. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. Never give up. And everybody watching, go get a copy of the book. Go to Two Who Survived. You, you let me know. You can get your money back. Wow. Or send the book back. Wow. Right. The book is so. I mean, it's actually some of it was so bad that I couldn't even put it in the book. I'm sure. Because I started speaking in middle school, okay? And 13 and 14 year olds. So I had to be careful not to put 
horrible things then. So. You know, I have a 12 year old daughter and I have a 16 year old daughter mm -hmm. and I can't, I cannot for the life of me, I cannot imagine. I can't like, it's just, I, I can't imagine. And, and have the 16 year old read the book. I don't know if the 12 year old should. You what? I'm sorry. The 16 year old should be able to read my book. Yeah. But not the 12 year old. Well, listen. The 12, Actually, the 12. The way my husband's story and mine. Yes. And it goes, it, that's what's really neat about this book is it goes, it bounces back and forth between you yeah. and Max. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Max um, is no longer with us, right? I lost him five and a half years ago. Five we and a half years. Over 60 years. We oh were together when we got married. He was a wonderful man, I tell you. What when you when, I, I do have a question. I, I thought I was getting ready to end this, but I have a question for you. You yeah. guys come to America, you end up in San Diego. Um, I went through a lot of horrible things as a child personally, and I always tell people today, um, I'm grateful for what I went through as a child, because it made me the man that I am today. It gave me the ability to have compassion for others, empathy, and it made me strong because I'm just like you, Rose. I am not, I will not give up hope. I always see the bright side somehow. Oh, good. That's good. Right? Right. Yeah. And so, so my question for you is you and your husband both survived the most unbelievable atrocities ever known to mankind. I mean, that is the worst thing ever recorded in the history of the world. And, and do you feel like it may, cause there's been times in my life where it's like, Oh, I can't pay the electric bill. They're going to shut it off. Right. And, and boom, the lights go out or, or <laughs> I can't, I can't, you know, whatever. I faced all these challenges through life. And, and I know you, you came to America because that was everybody's dream. And you came here and you and Max built a family and you moved to San Diego. You faced challenges in life, right? Absolutely. Everybody has challenges. Yes. Do you feel like your, your experience, as awful as it was, and it was awful, do you feel like it made you a stronger person? I don't think so. No? as a strong person otherwise no i don't think that yeah. you know what, your nature is what it is yes sometimes you have a problem you take care of it and if you don't yep. have a problem it's also good no i don't you don't think so no hey, you were just that's just who, who you are okay yeah. um, right now i'm 92 and wow um, Whenever it comes, it will come. Wow. I lived a long life after going through hell. Okay. And I have four children, nine grandchildren, and two great grandchildren. Wow. And they're all in San Diego. Wow. So I amazing. My grandson just graduated at the UCLA. Wow. He was the youngest one. <laughs> so amazing. So yeah. amazing. Rose, you are 
one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Thank you. And I'm, I'm happy to be helping out whatever I can. You come to San Diego, you can even stay in my house. I live alone in a four-bedroom house. Oh, my goodness. My wife just said, never give up hope. And she said, my 12-year-old Abigail is is watching this interview right now with us. So, That's Rose, nice. you're amazing. I'm so grateful for you. I'm going to end the live stream now. But if you would, just stay on here with me. I'm, okay. I'm going to finish up. But I, I just stay on. Don't leave. It's going to feel like I left, but I haven't left, I promise. So. Okay. All right. And I want to thank everybody who has watched today and listened to Rose. Um, hopefully you had it in your heart to share this interview out because the world needs to hear the story. And I believe everybody in the world needs to read this book. So, um, Rose, thank you. Yeah, when I sell books, I tell them, if you're not happy with it, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> if you're not happy with it, read it again. Yeah, because <laughs> you missed the message. If you if you if you're not happy with this book, there's something wrong with you. Um, but anyway, Rose, thank you so much. You're very welcome, Ken. Thank you. And Come we'll, to San Diego, remember. I'm, I'm going to make it to San Diego and meet you. Okay, good. I'm going to. So it's thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're thank right. You. Yes, I'll bring my wife. Okay. You can speak to her in Hungarian and see if she okay. understands. <laughs> yeah. All right. Listen, stay with me, Rose. Everybody, thank you so much. If you didn't share this, share it out. Bye, Rose. And thank you for doing this. Yes. Thank you for being here. Okay, Tim. Right. Look right. forward to meeting you. Likewise. Okay. Bye-bye.